So when I was in college, I kind of set this goal for myself uh, for what I wanted to bench press. So I'm not going to tell you what it is because some of you think, oh, that's too big, he's lying, or, you know, that's too small, he's weak. You know, I, I, don't, I don't know what you think about it. But I'd set this goal for myself, and I eventually made it. And I remember the day that I, that I made it, and I, I, I thought, I, I cannot possibly do five more pounds on the bar. Now imagine somebody added 10. I did that. Somebody did 50, added 50. I did that. Somebody added 100, 200, 300, more and more and more. And every time I felt like I was at my very limit, and every time, boo, she did it. I, I, that, that didn't happen. Okay, so that didn't happen. Uh, but that is what it's like in the Christian life. Often we kind of come to these edges and these brinks and these limits that we, we feel like, I cannot possibly go further. I cannot possibly bear another burden. I can't experience another difficulty. I can't, I can't lift another weight. I can't go another mile in the Christian life. And the strength comes. That's what I hope you'll see today is that, that God is the one who supplies our strength. He is the one who gives us strength. Simply as that. Now, today we're starting a new book of the Bible. It's 2 Corinthians. Today we're going to be in 2 Corinthians. Just a couple of things I think would be really helpful for us as we're, we're thinking about 2 Corinthians. As you're thinking about the way that we uh, teach the Bible here, we go, we're going to go all the way through the book of 2 Corinthians. So if you come for every sermon, you'll hear the word, every part of 2 Corinthians. I think that's, you want to have a Bible to follow along with. And I encourage you as, as often as you can, I know that, that you're sometimes providentially hindered from attending. But as much as you can, I think it's really helpful to hear the continuity of, hey, going all the way through a book of the Bible. That's one of the reasons why we do it. It's one of the reasons we let God uh, in, in his word, through his word, set the agenda for what we're going to learn and how we're going to learn and, and what we need to know. And so we're going to look at 2 Corinthians and we're going to go all the way through this book of the Bible. Now then, the first thing I want you to see is God. The one who calls apostles. God, the one who calls apostles. Second Corinthians, Second Corinthians chapter 1, we're going to read verses 1 and 2. Second Corinthians 1, verses 1 and 2. It says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the church of God that is at Corinth, with all the saints who are in the whole of Achaia, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, this is the greeting to uh, the, the letter that is 2 Corinthians. It's a letter to this church in Corinth. And so lots of times we just kind of breeze through uh, greetings uh, because that's pretty normal. Like when I get an email from somebody and they say, hi, Andy, I don't kind of, you know, really think, what, what do they mean by that? You know, that's, but, uh, but sometimes there are things that are, are there in the greetings uh, of, of these letters that are significant. So that right there in the very first verse, you see Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, okay? You know, this is, this is the, to distinguish him from even, even Timothy, who was a valuable and effective co-worker, but, but Timothy was not an apostle. He was a brother. He was, a, he was, a, he was, a, he was another Christian. Apostle was uh, someone who was specifically chosen by God to be an eyewitness of Jesus' resurrection, and to go out and to spread the message of that, that witness message, that eyewitness message, and start churches. That was, his, that was his, his mission. It was often accompanied by signs and wonders. 
but it was one who was specifically called by God, there are no longer any living apostles. And what's more, as far as like what we're looking at in 2 Corinthians, Paul was, Paul was called by the will of God. God selected him. He was, not, he was not appointed by the church. He was not selected by a nominating committee or something. He was, he was called by God. And that's important because as we, he goes up against these opponents in Corinth who are these self-appointed apostles. People who, who say for themselves, hey, you know, don't, don't think so much about Paul. Look at how we do things. And so he's, he's really facing this significant, but right up front he says, I am Paul, the apostle. And he says, to the church of God that is in Corinth. Uh, that word church, uh, some of you might know, that's the word ecclesia. Uh, that, that just simply means the, the, a gathering or assembly. Uh, but what it is, built upon the, the Greek translation of the Old Testament, uh, it, comes up, it, it sort of takes on this, this meaning and this connotation of, of in, the, in the Greek translation of the Old Testament, the people of Israel were called the ecclesia, the church in the wilderness, the gathering, the assembly. And so the, the church is really this, this great gathering of believers from all nations, from all tribes, from all tongues uh, that we see in the book of Revelation. The gathering of everyone who, who would ever believe in Jesus Christ. But we also see this church has kind of an outpost in Corinth. And that's the way we should think of ourselves as joined to the believers of all time and from all places, and yet the way that we are express our unity with all believers in all places is to be a part of a local church. He says, even even points out, this is this is the church in Corinth uh, with the saints. Uh, the saints, when he's talking about there, is literally the holy ones. These are not people who are canonized by the church. These are just everyday Christians. That is that they they are the ones who are set apart as God's people. So he's talking about, hey, you're 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 God's saints in Corinth, the same way that there are saints throughout the region of Achaia, you know, kind of what we would think of as a, as a district or a province. You, know, you get to, you're, you're part of these people. We, we kind of have this unity. But you're set apart by God. And then he says, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Lots of times a typical Roman letter would kind of be something like greetings, uh, may, uh, may the gods keep you in good health. Uh, what Paul does is he takes that co- sort of everyday mundane greeting and he takes it and he makes it into a Christian greeting. And he says, hey, it's not, it's not good health from the gods, it's grace from God, our Father. God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. This connection between, between God the Father, we're going to see is the God the Father as the source. This is often the way uh, the way the the, the Bible talks about the relationships of the Trinity is, is God the Father, the source, uh, and God the, uh, God the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, as the means by which we receive this grace. He also says peace, uh, typical Jewish, Jewish greeting, shalom. Uh, not, just, uh, not just peace, but wholeness and well-being. Uh, that, is what, that is what the Lord Jesus Christ, that's what God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give to us. So moving into this little letter here and seeing that already we see that Paul is an apostle, we see what it means to be a Christian. Uh, we see the way he talks about Timothy, he's our brother. You know, I think, I think sometimes we kind of, uh, I know that I have a, a, a kind of a, a, a suspicion sometimes of like, you know, just things that Christians say, Christianisms and cliches and those kinds of things. Uh, but you know what, what Paul does? He speaks a very distinctively Christian way. So I think we ought not be afraid to 
call one another brother and sister and say praise be to God and thank God and, and other things that we might say. You know, the way that families often kind of have this sort of, uh, this sort of funny way of talking, we're going to kind of talk funny because we're a part of God's family. And so uh, it's okay to, to encourage one another. It's okay to be distinctively and to, to try to, with every word that we use, to try to build one another up, to edify. To, to, uh, that's another one of those words we use, you know, right? To try and build one another up and encourage one another. And so there's the greeting. Uh, this is the God who calls apostles. Now, next we kind of move into the body of the letter. And next we see the God, the one who gives strength. So read verses 3 through 7 with me. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation, and if we are comforted, it is for your comfort which you experience when you patiently endure uh, the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. We see there verse 3 is blessed, uh, or it could also be translated praise. That's probably a simpler way to think about it. He's, he's praising God because God is the one God is the one who comforts. He says there, uh, God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, he is the Father. Uh, he's talking about, he's speaking of him as the father, as the source. He is the one from whom every mercy and every form of comfort comes. That is, as our father. If we, we are believing in Jesus Christ, we have God as our father, and he is the source of every mercy, every comfort, everything that we need, everything that we hope for, everything that we are relying upon and trusting in. God, our father, is the source. He is giving it to us. And he says there, he calls him the God of all comforts. Uh, maybe maybe try and fill out the word comfort there. So uh, this is kind of the traditional uh, uh, translation of the word that is in the original language is periclesis. Periclesis. Uh, so you learned something. Now, way back when William Tyndale first translated the New Testament into English, comfort had a little bit different different meaning. So uh, comfort, when I think of comfort, what do you think of when you think of comfort? I think of sitting in my lazy boy in air conditioning. Uh, and that's not the way he's talking about comfort. He's not talking about putting people at ease. Uh, one of the other ways that we talk about comfort, though, is, is as a way that we lift people's spirits. A way that we lift people's spirits. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, you know, when you go and visit somebody who may, who's maybe in the hospital, or you go and uh, somebody who's had a loved one pass away, you're trying to comfort them. You're trying to lift their spirits. Now then, uh, that, that is included here. Now there's one other thing that's there in that original word, both both in the in the that old English translation and in the in the original languages, and that is this sense of of encouragement, and think of even that word. He's he's putting courage into people, emboldening them, strengthening them. So now that's also included there. So when he's talking about these things that are happening, he's talking about you you were you were strengthened, you were you were comforted, you were your my spirit. When I was thinking about his, he's talking about his own afflictions. He's his spirits are lifted, but he's also emboldened. He's strengthened, and that's what he's talking about in the Christian life. You're being strengthened. That strength comes from the Father. Now then, let's look at the way, the way he talks about it. He says, uh, "This is the Father, verse four, who comforts or strengthens or encourages us." In all our affliction, 
so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Or you could substitute there, encourage or strengthen any place that you see the word comfort. So he's talking about this is, this is the purpose. We, you are, uh, we receive this strength or this boldness or this courage from God. And notice the, the connection there in verse 4, uh, so that we may be able to. That, that indicates purpose. We're strengthened with the purpose that we would also be able to strengthen others. That, 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 is, that is what we ought to be doing for one another. We ought to be, when we have received strength from God or boldness from God or courage from God, God he intends for us to, to, to then be with other people, keep, keep gathering together. Consider how to stir one another up to love and good deeds. How do, you, how do you encourage people? How do you build people up? How do I strengthen people? You ought to be coming. There's a little book I put out there on the table uh, this morning, How to Walk into Church. I like that title. When you're walking into church, you're thinking, man, how am I going to strengthen people today? How am I going to be strengthened by God? How am I going to be comforted by God's word? And also, how am I going to strengthen other people? How am I going to lift up people whose, whose knees are weak and their hands feel, feel like they're drooping and they feel like they can't go on? How am I going to strengthen them? How am I going to lift them? We've received strength from God. That, that strength is intended to be shared. It's another way of talking about bearing one another's burdens. We're going to lift the weight. We're going to make sure nobody's, nobody is lifting the weight of life all by themselves, no matter what their affliction is. Now, it goes on from there in verse in verse 5, he says, we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings. Uh, that word, a couple of, used a couple of different times for share. That's a word that maybe some of you, you know, koinonia. It's often translated uh, fellowships, kind of same word group. You're in the fellowship of Christ's sufferings. You're, the same way that, that Christ was uh, insulted and reproached and persecuted. We share in that. When we identify with Jesus Christ and we say, we're going to, I am going to be a Christian. I am going to identify with Christ. That means that everything that, that fell on him could potentially fall on me. That means I might be marginalized. It might mean I, I'm ostracized. It might mean I am insulted. It might mean that I am, uh, I am even persecuted. I'm ready for that. I'm identifying with Jesus Christ. Jesus said, the, the world has hated me. If the world hates you, know that it hated me before you. And he said, he said uh, to his disciples in Matthew 5, he says, rejoice when they insult you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil about you falsely on my account. Rejoice. Because you're, you're identifying with Jesus Christ. So we're sharing in that, uh, in that abundance, what a, what a tough word, the abundance of Christ's suffering. We're, we're suffering with him, but at the same time, and that's why I use that bench press analogy, the same way, the, same way the, the weight keeps getting more and more, the strength of God keeps getting more and more. More and more strength from God, more and more boldness. So, so if you feel marginalized, if you're being ostracized, God is going to give you boldness. If you come against any affliction or suffering, you feel like you can't go on, God's going to give you strength. You even come to the point of, of death, the way you are facing death, you're facing a, a really deathly trial, God is going to give you courage. Every, every affliction, every suffering, every difficulty, God is right there supplying your every need. And so we, we hope in that. This is the God who gives us strength. 
Now then, in verse, in verse 6, he says, if we are afflicted, so he's, you notice here, and we're going to talk about this all the way through the book of 2 Corinthians, so there's a, lot of, there's a lot of we language and you language. So who's, who's the we who's talking? Mainly, it is the apostles and those who are their co-workers. And so we want to make sure, on the one hand, by analogy, there are a lot of things that we can take from what was happening to Paul and his co-workers and apply that to ourselves. At the same time, we all, we all recognize that Paul is an apostle, kind of in a u- unique position. But he says there, he says there, hey, when we're afflicted, it's so that you can be comforted. It's, it's so that you can be strengthened. It's so that you can be encouraged. That's significant because in, the, in, in Corinth, that's a city, significant city in, in Greece, there were these, uh, later on, he's, Paul's going to call them the super apostles. And, and those, those super apostles uh, said, you know, hey, Paul, he, he can't really be somebody you want to listen to. Look at how he suffers. Look how people don't really like Paul. Look at how he has to work with his hands. He has to work a second job and, and, and a blue-collar job at that. Look, look at how he has to do that. How can, how can you follow that guy? Look at us. We get paid good money for our teaching. You know, we, get, we, get, we, get, we, look, we look good. We, we sound good. We're very impressive when we talk. Paul evidently wasn't very impressive when he, when he preached. These super apostles are saying, hey, why do why you want to listen to Paul? And Paul says, hey, if we're afflicted, we're, we're being afflicted. We're suffering so that we can get the gospel to you. And by analogy, that's the way it is in, in all kinds of Christian leadership. If the gospel is going to go out, to people who have never heard the gospel. It's going to go to difficult places. It's going to go to people who, who haven't heard the gospel yet, people who need to hear the gospel. Somebody's going to have to suffer to do that. Somebody's going to have to be deprived to do that. And so that's what he's saying. He's saying we're, if we're suffering, if we're being afflicted, we're trying to get the gospel to you. Then he says, on the other hand, hey, if we're being lifted up, if we're being strengthened, if we're being encouraged, that's for you too. In every way, God is supplying your needs. He's making sure that you get the gospel. You know, these super apostles had one idea of what Christian leadership looked like. And it looked like being very impressive. And Paul said that it looked like being a servant, which is the same thing that Jesus Christ said. And I think that there is this this aura and uh, style to ministry in the United States that is very much about Christian leadership being impressive, um, very much about looking good. Christian leadership in every way is about being people's servants. It's about being willing to humble yourself, sometimes being disliked, sometimes suffering, sometimes being talked bad about. You know, that, that's just part of it. And, and Paul is saying, hey, I'm not impressive. Or if I'm afflicted, if I'm suffering, it's for you. I'm doing it for you. Yeah, that's, what, that's the job that God gave me. Now then he says, uh, there at the end of verse 6, he says, he says, if we are comforted, it is for you, your comfort. And, and it says, which you experience in the, in the translation that we typically use here. And some translations, though, it's going to be uh, which, which produced in you patient endurance. I think that's a better translation because there's really actually a tie of this is, this is the result of 
the, the comfort or the strength that we gave to you. It produced in you patient endurance. That, 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 um, those verses from Hebrews 10 that we, we, maybe I used a little too much, where as we gather together, stirring one another up to love and good deeds, even more as we see the day approaching, that is the way that we, the way that we keep going in the Christian life is to be encouraged by one another. That's the way we keep going. You can't, uh, you, can't, you can't be separated from Christians and expect to patiently endure all of these difficulties in the Christian life. You have to be united. And that's difficult. There are always going to be sinners at church. There are always going to be people who, who are going to make life difficult. Uh, you, me, from time to time, being one of them. And, but we need one another. We need one another. We need other Christians. To help us patiently endure. And that's what he's talking about there. This is, this is the way that you are going to patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. And the Apostle Paul, we don't, we don't know exactly what he was suffering. We'll, we'll look at it in just a second. But, but we know that Christians everywhere and all times, are not, they're not going to look like everybody else. At different times, at different places, sometimes it's been more acceptable to be a nominal Christian, uh, a Christian in name only. Uh, sometimes it hasn't been. But those who are genuinely obeying God's word, listening to God's word, trusting in Jesus Christ, they're going to look a little different. They're going to look different from the world. And that includes sometimes mild marginalization. Sometimes it's going to mean severe persecution. But it's always going to be different. And it goes on from there. Our hope for you is unshaken. For we know that you share in our sufferings. You will also share in our comfort. If, you're, if you keep getting bigger and bigger burdens, more and more affliction, more and more suffering, you're also going to get the strength that comes with it. And even what he, he says, I, I'm assured of this. Like, I really know this is going to happen. How does he know that? You know, what is it, what is it that we look, see in other people that kind of really encourages us, hey, yes, we know, we know that person's a Christian. You know, on the one hand, we, we can take this and, and kind of apply it to our understanding of assurance. On the one hand, uh, the the initial, genuine, uh, uh, full assurance that we have uh, when we trust in Jesus Christ comes from the Holy Spirit being, his love being poured into our hearts. That's what the uh, way Romans 5 talks about. The Holy Spirit pours the love of Jesus Christ into our hearts. Or uh, Romans 8, he talks about uh, the, the Spirit causes us to cry out, Abba, Father. We recognize ourselves to be children of God. He makes us, uh, the, the Spirit of God testifies with our own spirits that we are children of God. That's, that's called the internal testimony of the Spirit. That, that helps us to know that we are Christians, that we are going to be saved. That is very important. But that doesn't mean that it's illegitimate to also look at the Spirit's production of fruit in a person's life. And, and here Paul is saying, hey, if, you're, if you are willing to suffer with Jesus Christ, then I know that you're going to be strengthened by Jesus Christ. If you suffer with Christ, you'll get strength. If you don't suffer with Christ, I don't know where you're going to get your strength. But if you suffer with Christ, I know God's going to strengthen you. I know God's going to. I know that God's going to keep working it out, working out your salvation. I think. I think when we see people who are tested, you know, there's lots of times Pastor Matt and I will talk about talk about things. We'll talk about. Uh, we, we even we talk about you guys. Not 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 in bad ways, but we we talk about how you guys are doing. Uh, you know, and, and, 
and and one of the things I, I like to say is, hey, you just got to give people time. time time's going to tell. If a person keeps on enduring in the Christian life, then that lets me know they're going to keep on enduring. When a person when a person keeps on believing in Jesus Christ, even when even when difficulty comes, that that, that really affirms, hey, that's somebody I, I know God's going to keep keep going in that person's life. And I think I think we get we always want to be charitable with people, but from as we see people progressing and sticking in the Christian life, we know that God is going to keep His word. He's working that person. He's going to keep them all the way to the end. And there's there's more and more confidence that we can place in one another. Here's we kind of come to the end of this section. Just think about the fact that there is there is no suffering, there is no affliction, there is no difficulty, there is no hardship in the Christian life. That for those who are in Christ Jesus, you're not going to get strength. That strength comes through from God the Father. It comes through Jesus Christ. Because Jesus Christ died for our sins. He died to give us new life. He's going to keep giving us strength. He's going to keep giving us encouragement. He's going to keep building us up. He's going to keep emboldening us emboldening us that's what we can count on so when you face any kind of resistance keep trusting jesus christ you will have the strength don't be afraid of what's going to happen in the future don't be afraid of what might happen you you you've been brought you might have been brought to your limit you think you're already at your limit god's going to give you strength you might be brought to another limit god's going to give you strength the strength of god is is it is not uh, it cannot be used up. You're going to have strength from God to endure. Now then, we see uh, next that God is the one who raises the dead. So we've seen Paul talking about this endurance, talking about this strength uh, that, that he, he, he wants them to be given. They have been, uh, Paul and his band of, of brothers have been afflicted, uh, and God has strengthened them, and it was for their comfort. Now he's going to get into particulars, and we see that, he, that God is the one who raises the, de- the dead. God, the one who raises the dead. Read verses 8 through 11 with me. It says, For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. But that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. You also must help us by prayer, so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. Paul talks, he's been talking about affliction. He says, I'm going to talk to you about our affliction. I want you to know about our affliction in Asia. And actually, we don't actually know exactly what happened. So we can kind of, we know from some other parts of Scripture what happened to Paul. Sometimes he was shipwrecked. Sometimes he was stoned and left for dead. Uh, He was let down through a wall in a basket. Uh, At one point, there was a great mob uh, crying out uh, for some other god. And so his his brothers or his, his friends are holding him back. Uh, so that he doesn't go out into the mob and get ripped to pieces. Uh, we, we know that, that Paul was in some deadly straits. We know that there were multiple times when Paul uh, could, have, could have been, and maybe even some places that aren't recorded, where, hey, it just looked like he was at the end. And that's what he's talking about there. I want you to know what it was like in Asia. We were burdened beyond our strength. We knew that we, this was beyond what we could do. 
We despaired of life itself. That means we thought we were going to die. Like, I, 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 one, of the, one of the images that I think of is, is, and possibly behind this, is Acts 19. There was in Ephesus, uh, and there's this great mob. Hey, you, you just, like, like, he gets out of Asia pretty quick after that. He might not even be able to walk out in the streets. He might have to have people bringing him by secret passages or something. I mean, I mean that's, the kind of, that's the kind of life that he was living. He got, he got idolaters so riled up that they were ready to sacrifice him. I thought I was going to die. We had already come to the conclusion that our sentence was death. So he was like a guy on death row. It wasn't, it wasn't if he was going to die or if he was going to be executed. It was when. We had no more street, strength. But that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. What was the purpose of all that? Why would God allow an apostle, Paul, to go through that? was for something that was really, really good. Not relying on ourselves anymore, but relying upon God. Why is it that God brings you to the edge? Why is it that God brings you to the brink? Why is it that God brings you to the point that you feel that you have no more strength? God, help me, or I'm going to die. Why does God do that? So that you will learn not to rely upon yourself, but on God. And he is God who raises the dead. God who raises the dead, he raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Because Jesus Christ was perfectly righteous. And he promises to raise everyone who is in Jesus Christ, the righteous one. That is, everyone who is believing in Jesus Christ, he's going to raise them from the dead too. But it's even, it's even more than that, in a, in if there is a way to be more than that. That is the, that is the it, it is like an attribute of God. That he is the one who is a raiser of the dead. That's who you're trusting in. When you're trusting in someone for strength, when you are at your very limit and you feel that you are about to die, don't worry. God raises the dead. He's the dead raising God is the way he's talking about it. Don't fear. He's the God who raises the dead. And he even goes on from there. He says in verse 10, he delivered us from such a deadly peril. He's, he will deliver us. That's Paul's confidence. Hey, we came right up to where we thought we were going to die. He delivered us from that. I'm pretty sure we're going to come up to another point to where we feel like we're going to die. He's going to deliver us then too. You know, you think you've been to the edge, you've been to the brink. God, God might bring you back there again. That's no assurance that there's not going to be another time. But I can tell you that then he will deliver you too. That's so often the way that the, uh, that, that the people of God throughout the scriptures have thought. God delivered me here. God delivered me here. God delivered me here. I know he's going to deliver me again. I even think the idea is at the, end of the, at the end of verse 10, on him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. Even, even, if, even if I die. There is no end to the deliverance of God. Even if, even if I'm not just brought up to the edge of death, what if, what if I actually die? There is no end to the deliverance of God. 
God can deliver. He is the God who raises the dead. Now then, the, the, the uh, punctuation kind of obscures the connection between verses 10 and 11. Uh, verse 10 is this, he's talking about being delivered. And then verse 11 is talking about the way that he is, he is being delivered. So look at verse 11. He says, you, it literally is you helping us by prayer. We will be delivered with you helping us by prayer. Prayer is the way that God delivers people. You know how, you know how we could help one another? We could pray for one another. We could ask for prayer. The way that Paul does. You're, you're pastors here at the church. We're not ashamed to ask you to pray for us. We, we, we need strength. And if you ask us to pray for you, we'll be happy to pray for you. We should be asking one another. Why should we be asking one another about what we should pray? Why should, why should we be offering to pray for one another? Because prayer is a way that God delivers us. Prayer is the request made to a God we, we can't deliver but, but we make requests to the God who raises the dead. We, we make requests for strength to the God who is the God of all mercies and all comfort, all strength, all boldness, all courage. We ask. He is the source. That's what Paul's talking about here. He is the father of all mercies and all comfort. He is the source of everything. And all we do is in the name of Jesus Christ, because of the death and resurrection of Christ, we go to the source of everything and we say... Deliver me, deliver my friend, deliver my brother, deliver my sister. Deliver. Pray for us. We'll pray for you. Pray for one another that we would be delivered. And you know what one of the great privileges of those who pray? Is that those, only those who pray get answered prayer. I love to bring these great insights to you. But look at what he says there. He says at the end of verse 11, so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. If you pray for us, then you get the privilege of seeing your prayers answered, and then you get to thank God for that too. Some people wonder, if you have a God who controls everything, a God who knows everything, why, why would, why pray? That's, that's not the way to reason. It's not the Bible, way the Bible reasons. The Bible says the way you get delivered is by prayer. And when you get delivered, then you get to thank God for it. How does that not make sense? That makes perfect sense. God's the source, and so you ask God, and then you get to thank God. And God gets praised. God gets glorified. God gets thanked. And that's the purpose of everything. Now, we kind of bring, our, bring ourselves kind of to the end. Consideration of these matters. Considering all these things. Trust God. Trust this Father who sent his Son to die for us. You can trust him to give you strength. You're you're going to be brought to your limit. You, you are going to be brought to your, your end. You're going to be brought to the place where you think, I have no more strength. Maybe literally, 
maybe sort of what we might think of as figuratively. I mean, I, I can think of a few times in my life where I just thought, I can't, why, I don't want to get up in the morning. Some of you might be there now. God delivered. God delivered. And God delivers by prayer. So pray. Pray for yourself. Pray for one another. And let us hope in the God who raises the dead and who gives strength to everyone who asks. Uh, Father, we praise you. We praise you. Father, we praise you because you are the source of our life. You are the one who sent your son for us. You are the one who came and brought the gospel to us. You are the ones who you are the one who changed our hearts. You are the one who has delivered us every single time. When, every time in the past we were delivered, we know you're going to deliver us in the future. We're going you're going to deliver us in the very end. We know that you are the source of it all. We praise you. And let our praises continue to to ring out and to and to be felt because we are every day praising you because we are every day relying not on ourselves but on you because you are the one who raises the dead. Fit these things into our hearts and impress these things upon us and let our hearts be cut and pierced so that we would know that you are the comforter. You are the one who strengthens, emboldens, and encourages. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.